Welcome to Processing Severance, our after-show podcast brought to you by the Hollywood Critics Association. I'm your host, Rasha Goel, joined by my amazing two co-hosts, Rick Hong. I'm not sorry. Okay. Where's that coming from? All right, we will talk about that later, I'll Rick. I'll I think up. that's Jeff, yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Break room for you. And Jeff Ewing. I keep trying to quit, but my Audi won't let me. We're going to have a major therapy session here today. So if you are just joining us for the first time, a reminder that this is an after show. So there will be spoilers. We're going to be breaking down the show for you. And if you haven't seen the episodes, this is episode four that we're discussing today, the UUR. I highly suggest you go back, watch the show, and then come back here. Now, the other thing we've been excited about is our audience engagement. So I want to give you our email again. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, things you want to share or have us mention, you can email us at shows at hollywoodcriticsassociation.com. Make sure you put severance in the subject line. And of course, always comment on the YouTube. Maybe there's questions you have, or perhaps there's another analysis that you might be able to offer to us. I'm going to give a shout out to Elizabeth K right now, who shared this thought with us. I wonder why Malice Neighborhood never filled up, and I also wonder if the other employees are surveyed in a similar way. For example, are any of them neighbors to Milchek or Mr. Grainer? You know, I did wonder that too, though, like why we're not seeing anybody else in that in that neighborhood. And again, I wondered mm-hmm. if it was because it's through Lumen's company, through the Lumen Company, mm-hmm. and if they've just kind of built that little area and just give it to their specific employees. Um, who are have the Indian Audi worlds? Yeah, because because I I did notice you know the, the when when P was around there was brief mention made in the outside world that they kind of own half the town basically so they they take up a lot of space it's a company town I did really early on wonder why Mark why does he get the privilege of having uh, harmony live next door and stealth pretend to be his neighbor for presumably years. That was planned. Yeah, exactly. So why Mark? <laughs> planned is... or maybe just random and where we're meeting that in the story just happens to be what's going on like right now. I feel like that was planned because Mark is someone she's always watching out for. Mm-hmm. And then it's interesting, like after Petey, Mark became the supervisor. You know, I think there is definitely a deeper connection there that we don't know about. Um, but yeah, that's just my theory. I guess we'll have to see how that unfolds. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, we got, f- what, five five more episodes? Or, yeah. yeah so. so Elizabeth K. hope we were able to answer your question. Uh, do chime in. I'd love to hear what you thought of our answers. Are we ready, gentlemen, to break down episode four? This episode was crazy. Very crazy. Uh, it was directed by F.M. McCardle. So I'm excited to definitely talk about some of the things that we saw in this. Well, let's just... Um, Let's just get right into it. So we start off with a scene from the break room. And we see Heli, of course, going through that testing. I do want to mention real quick, though. I loved how the episode opened with Heli and it closed with Heli. There was mm. something very poetic about that for me. But, um, yeah, th- I think this scene is really intense, the way it opened. I loved how it was shot. Uh, close-up of the eyes, close-up of the tape, close-up of the machinery. Like, you really are feeling this intense moment. Uh, what was going on? Jeff, I'll start with you. What was going on through your mind watching this scene? Uh, I I really felt for Helly. Uh 
Because obviously, from her perspective, it's a nonstop, unyielding, unending, like broken by only the elevator uh, marathon of effectively torture that really, really got to her. Yeah, it's it like you brought it up well, Jeff. And it's it's like torture. It's like the military where sometimes I, you know, like they'll play like like loud rock music, you know, just to mm-hmm. and like just drive people crazy so they can't sleep. And like yeah, like with with her too, it's like yeah, the, the lighting, the sound, and then having to keep repeating those words like Constance. that alone. Yeah, it's it's like a, some crazy other version, like electronic version of doing like Chinese water torture. Yeah. Or, but it still it goes along with the philosophy that I said, you know, last week. It's the the Simpsons. I will not do right. whatever. It's, it's still that child thing, you know. It's just done in a way different, like twenty twenty two way. Drilling it in her head, drilling it in her head. Um, I loved how as we move throughout past that scene, Irving is very concerned about her, and you know he tries to get Mark to follow up on her. Mm-hmm. But we see Mark, I think, in this episode, really kind of pursuing that curiosity if I can say the word um that we were discussing in episode three right mm-hmm. what did you, like okay so we see them talking about the map that he found but mm-hmm. then he gets so angry with Helly and gets into this confrontation with her that he ends up shredding the map I was just torn when that happened and then I thought I bet there's copies of this map in other places but I don't know what, what do you guys think about that Oh, I mean, there has to be because I mean, there were, there was already a second version outside Lumen. So there has to be more than one copy because it has a really intense purpose. I was very disappointed in Mark. I yeah. really was. By shredding it? Yeah. You know, the other thing, too, is that we don't really, you know, because we're watching an episode, we don't know how fast he's able to absorb information or, like, looking at it. So, like, he may have already kind of memorized version of like kind of saying like okay this is here i know this is there so like that so that that might give him a little bit of justification for shredding it i feel too though as i've been watching mark that he doesn't do well with confrontation right like he just wants it to quickly move through and he's very uncomfortable so i felt like the shredding was his way of responding maybe that okay i don't want to deal with this helly's really getting on me she's trying to you know point fingers at me just i'm, I'm done with this i can't handle the pressure of it it doesn't help too that she keeps saying how much she doesn't like it <laughs> yeah. so it's like you don't like me so why are you bothering me oh this is the thing this is the trigger that keeps like having you bother me so well, let me get rid of it I get that. I also think that it underscores too, like th- this episode really underscored the the sometimes substantial difference between your your any version and your Audi version. And we saw that both. Uh, we saw that with Helly, and, and we'll get there. Uh, I promise we'll get there. Uh, but we we also see it here with Mark because on the on the Audi we spend a lot of time there. We understand his, his pain and his suffering, but also he's a lot more curious uh, in his Audi self. He has a lot less purpose. And it kind of causes him to take more risks. And I think also everything that happened with PD2 is still kind of confusing him a little bit. And he's feeling that loss of him not being there in that office. Well, because he talked about it. He said, you know, PD was the culture for those guys. You know, he kind of brought the energy level up or he kind of kept maybe the balance. And now there's no PD. So, like, I guess maybe, and, you know, they've kind of thrown Mark into that role. And maybe, like, Mark's uncomfortable. He doesn't like having to be, like, that guy. And then, mm-hmm. then on top of it, then you add, yeah, then you add um, Heli into it. 
who's very like anti everything. So she's like not really contributing to the piece, contributing to the balance. So I can I can see why like it's yeah, it's like get get rid of the <laughs> get rid of the sheet. But it is disappointing, man, because you want because what we I think what we kind of want is for them like because it happened a little bit until he shredded it, but we wanted them to kind of all get together. You yeah. know, there was like, some hope there. It's like it's like treat it like the great escape. Yeah, you know, that's that's what you want wanted with that that piece, the thing there, or what you wanted is for them to get caught with it, you know, right. and get in trouble to say like, okay, now you know there's like this extra weird contraband that really goes against the rule. So I like, wanted to see Kelly happen? lead yeah. the way there, mm-hmm. right? And and I do think that we did get to see a little bit of them breaking the rules and coming together, uh, especially when it comes to them finding a particular piece of literature unexpectedly. Uh, well, let's talk about that. Okay. I know that came in a little bit later. We'll talk about that, and then we'll come back to Bert coming into <laughs> this sure, space. Sure. So let's talk about this book. The You uh, You Are. Yes. <sighs> okay. Uh, all right. I was going to get Mr. Milchuk, but I thought it best not to break the chain of command. It's just raining contraband today. What do you mean? It doesn't matter. Has anyone seen anything like this before? Passage 31, page 110. Be content. In my words, and dally not in the scholastic pursuits of lesser no, men. No books except the handbook, I know. What are you doing? His ego's hell, he called him out for bootlegging. My ego's fine, I'm just trying to... Damn. Mark, what is this? Maybe it's another PD message. Flip through, see if my name's anywhere. I bet it's a loyalty test. Remember the spicy candy? I'll be turning this into Milchik. What? Why? It's booty. It's booty with your name on it. Excellent decision, Mark. This is an idolatrous text that should be brought to him immediately. Right, because it, it, it's interesting because they, they, they straight up say in the episode that only the handbook, only official company documentation. You know, you know it's, it's, you're working in a cult building, you know? Only cult literature that say, you know, this person is like the newly reincarnated god are allowed, not in Lumen, but, you know, in a cult-like building, that's all they want. So the, the, the big interesting thing for me is that, you know, we can guess at the origin of the book because they took it from Mark's uh, porch. But then... And then it's wow. written to him as they yeah. open up. So it's kind of like, wait, who is delivering you this message? We've yes. like, it's not just like they stumbled across something, exactly. but the fact that it's like actually like written out to him. Yeah, it's supposed to be there to him for him, but they don't know how. And so it creates an interesting sort of uh, almost like a mythos around it where they don't know if it's a test. They don't know what the point is really. So they don't know what to do with it. I mean, and I think it's hilarious that Milicek is the HR guy, you know, you know, and he's the one that was like sitting there reading it and he got interrupted because of Heli. But the fact that like, we haven't seen yet him even kind of being like, Oh, wait a minute. I forgot that that book is like in the middle of, and he's HR. Like, he's the guy that's screw- he's the actual screw-up in this whole situation. Mm-hmm. But I think he's too, self- he's too self-consumed with himself and his duties in dealing with Heli. Like, Heli has now become kind of a nuance for them, and they're concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit more about Petey and what's going on there. So I think for him right now, it's a huge stress level and perhaps even concerns his job in trying to figure out what's happening with Heli and how do we make sure that she kind of fits into that cult or he got yeah he got too distracted doing that weird chinese water torture (laughs) rock music (laughs) bart simpson you know punishment uh yeah i actually want to go back to that for for just one second because 
my initial question watching that scene was, what's wrong with Milchek? Because, okay, it's torture for Heli to do it over a thousand times. It's torture for anyone. That's literally the point. But he has to sit there and listen to it as Chinese water torture a thousand times or 1,500 times. And he's just sitting there, do it again, do it again, torturing himself. What's up with that guy? That's his job. He's been programmed and trained, and he's so just addicted to the behavior here and really owns the position that he's in that he is just, he follows the rules, and he's not going to bend until it's perfectly done. And he, I guess there's some other consequences that we're not really aware of right now. Maybe those will unfold, but I feel like that's why he has to, he's been given a job. He needs to make sure that mm-hmm. it's execute, executed to the full. I mean, same, you know, the way I look at it, it's a little bit of like being a meter maid. You know, they have a job. We all hate meter maids and everything, but they have a job that they have to do. And some, you know, that's just the, it's like a door guy too. That's just the little bit amount of power that they have over somebody. And like in, just even on like on that, that may, that may be the one thing that he actually maybe enjoys. <laughs> so just to see, cause, cause it is the break room. So when will they break? And when does he decide that he believes them? That they are sorry. See, that's why I'm not sorry. <laughs> but I don't believe you. Yeah. Let's go back to uh, Bert's beautiful entry into the uh, into the space. Uh, Dylan is so hostile with him; it's hilarious. And then you see Irving is like this kid who just received a candy bag, and it's just like. Super excited. Of course, Mark is just neutral. What did you guys make of that scene? Why is Bert coming from the O&D department? Uh, let, let's break that scene down a little. Clearly, you know, Bert and Irv made, I don't I don't know what it is. You know, they, they've kind of touched on in this episode too, but there's some sort of connection. It's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're wired the same way in terms of like how they view the culture of Lumen. Maybe it's because they've been talking about the paintings and they always have like their own interpretations. And Bert's older than than Irv, at least, you know. I mean, if, even I'm just going by actor years or like whatever. So it's like maybe like, you know, I guess even even down in Lumen being an innie, maybe like you still long for some version of connection. And remember how like they put just the two people in that one division. So it's just like eventually like you get you're still human. They're still human. So maybe there's boredom or whatever. So he's like, he's finally found in like, you know, he's, and he, he is going out of his way. He is going out oh, of yeah. his way to go meet Herb. So maybe that's what it is too. It's like a little bit of longing for a connection and just kind of, dude, I'm just sick of working with this one person all day long for how many decades that he's been there. Well, you know what piqued my curiosity too was that little exchange. So he does this whole thing about bringing the tote bags in, talks mm-hmm. to them. And then on the way out, there was that moment where he just, whispers and says thank you and the glances that were exchanged there it just felt like there was a deeper meaning there for something or something they're seeking yeah because i I feel like bert felt seen you know and understood and that's very powerful especially when you don't get a lot of it at lumen you know so it's going to leave an impression and he was even willing to uh, you know we don't know him well enough to know if he's a rule breaker you know we don't even know that much about the department other than the reputation that it has but and those um, guys are scary guys, man. They're oh, and D, man. Oh, there's only two of them because yeah. you know we we couldn't have three. Yeah. Three is just a, yeah <laughs> too much. Uh, but he comes down there too with a map, 
you know, when we find out in this episode that it's not that, you know, there's there aren't, Petey's not supposed to make a map. No one's supposed to make a map. It's literally sacrilege, and he still makes a map. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting. That leads us into the tour, right? Oh, and that was so funny, too. He offers an opportunity for this tour of the O&D department, and Irv just jumps on that and is like, okay, I'm going now. It's like that thing. Like, that's the thing I'm doing. Right. I'm going to do that thing. And he's so <laughs> set on it. You know what I found very interesting, too, is just the way that was shot again when we see Irv going down to the department, the white walls, the maze. It just reminded me of, like, a mouse mm-hmm. that was trapped in a maze that was trying to find a way Hence, out. That's what I've been saying. It's kind of like that's the the, the experiment, you know, a little right. bit of the experiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about, okay, this is episode four about this episode two is that something like you wanted, Jeff, after episodes one and two, you wanted to see more of a deep dive mm-hmm. on Irv himself. We haven't gone to his Audi. We don't know if we'll ever go right. to the Audis of the other, you know, characters necessarily. Maybe that's... Servant, I mean, that's Severance even season two, possibly, but we're starting to go your Irv's way, too. Yep, I want an Irv prequel. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first, um, but uh, yeah, I really like that we got, even if it was kind of subtle, uh, we got a lot more look at Irv, you know, being like a kid again, you know. Uh, and, and he did, you're, you're right to bring up too, that it was kind of like a mouse in a maze because even Irv, who literally had a map, got turned around because it's just designed to be a, a sort of naturally hostile space, you know, an unfree space. Uh, but then Irv and Bert found a little bit of freedom in it. Yes. And, in the, and you know, and like when they're together, it's like that that hand connection yeah so it makes you you know it makes you think even more about kind of like what what that meaning is you know, like what kind of like a connection they're looking for with each other and then it makes you think about okay well that's happening there what's happened on the outside world for both those guys too yeah, yeah i'm really curious to see how their audis are and how they live and, and how that works out because yeah. they're so invested in this company um and really a part of the system and that's how they become kind of invested in each other in a way. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what it means for them. But I did write down when I was going through my notes, like, are they on a date when they're doing the facility? And it's Because it, it kind of had that first date energy. It, uh-huh. it was interesting. And, you know, and then there's that conversation where he's, like, talking about, you know, he's opening up to Bert. He's opening up to Bert saying, you know, yeah, dude, like, I'm falling asleep here. I'm falling asleep here. So, like, I'm wondering what my Audi's doing. Is my Audi just, like, partying? You know, out, right. like outside in the outside world, and that's why, like, whatever. And, you know, and Bert's kind of giving him some comfort, kind of saying, oh, well, it could be this. It could be, that. you know, kind of giving his reasonings about his Audi. So so they're they're really, yeah, they're, it's, it's, it's beyond, you know, some of the stuff is beyond Lumen and just talking about how they interpret the paintings or the handbooks. Like, they're kind of starting to share some other things, too, like about, about their personal self, or at least Irv is. Well, and it seems like he's kind of found a friend maybe in Bert, too, like the three people he works with. There's not that level. It's just yeah. that we're sitting on our desk, we're doing the work, we're following the rules. But maybe with Bert, he's able to kind of push the envelope a little bit and find someone that he feels comfortable with and can maybe confide in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's interesting too, because like while, while they're in the core department, you know, Dylan is probably the closest to Irv and they're not close at all. No, because man. Both of those, those two, yeah, here's, here's the way that he's closest. Both, of, both him and Irv can be motivated to tow the company line and do stuff. But for Dylan, he just loves games. He will try and find the closest way, the shortcut, the way to get the prize, the way to have fun if it's not on the agenda. 
versus Irv feels it in his core. Yeah. Those yeah. guys, yeah, basically, like, Dylan and Irv are, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're frenemies. They're, yeah. they're, they're a little like Tom and Jerry. You know, like, sometimes <laughs> they, like, they like each other or whatever, and sometimes it's, it's not there, so. It's fun watching them, though. Like, Dylan comes yep. up with the most quirkiest lines. He's just got, like, these one-liners, but really they steal the scene, and I love it, just the way he delivers it. Um, of course, one of the things that does stand out in this episode is Petey's funeral. Uh, Mrs. Selfick is, you know, very interested in because they want the chip from his brain and they want to make sure that they retrieve that um, before his burial. So, because yeah, because we, well, because we find out, I think he's going to be cremated, right, Jeff? Yeah, right. He's gonna oh, yeah, he's going to be cremated. So. So, that's right. He's going to be cremated. There's a narrow it's, window. Yes. And, right, and I, and I get it. Like, by retrieving that thing, like, right, it could have information of, like, how he was able to unsever himself. It starts getting, like, really crazy because... You know, Harmony, like, I gotta, I gotta get my people straight here for a second. So <laughs> Harmony and Mrs. Selvig are, you know, there, there is no Indian Audi. She's just the right. one person. But Mark, you know, his any new Petey. His Audi was never really ever supposed to know Petey. So for him to actually, like, show up there, you know, it's, it's like that's already kind of like, dude, uh... How, you know, regardless, yeah. if he, even right. if, like, he knows that, okay, well, Petey used to be an employee, it's like, I mean, who wants to go to a, I, I don't, you know, I, I used to work at companies, and I don't think, right. if I didn't know them, and I wouldn't want to go to their funeral. Exactly, and that's exactly why the family is so dismissive, because they're like, well, then you didn't know him you at really all. Know him. But I'm, but the, my thing is, it's like, but, like, I would still be like, why are you here? That's and and that's, I think, why, why Harmony is so suspicious, even though Mark isn't reintegrated. Uh, it, it is very curious why it would even be relevant to be like, this is a place to be at all. Oh, she's definitely got his eye on him. Yeah. I mean, she is watching him like a hawk. Because, again, we don't see any of the other Lumen employees there, right? I would wait. Right. So that does pique her interest as to, well, why is Mark attending this funeral? And I kind of feel like at this point, too, we just start seeing a lot of, again, confusion and fe- actually feelings now happening in Mark where he's questioning what he's feeling and feeling uncomfortable. And maybe that's, you know, bringing up memories of his wife's death. Yeah, because I, I feel like watching the the wife and daughter mourn, watching that video where they're jamming out to the entire length of Metallica songs. Inner Sandman. Um, <laughs> Great choice of song, Very interesting choice of songs. Yeah. And yes. uh, the facial expressions, like, very, very cleverly done. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I'm always moved by a really good Enter Sandman rendition. However, uh, I, you know, watching them grieve to that wonderful memory, I think really started to unlock emotions in him that are confusing to say the least. And we, you know, and we've seen it in the you know in the episodes and everything. You know, Petey mentioned it to him, dude. When you come, when you're, uh, when we see your any. You know, we see that you're, you know, like you've had like the red eyes and everything else too, or like whatever. So, and then like we saw like even in the the opening episode, you know, he's crying in the car before he goes to work. We see Mark, of course, leaving and then driving down to a tree and showing the connection of the tree. And of of course, we assume that that's where um, the accident, an accident happened and maybe the wife died. But I just thought that that was really interesting too, because now we're starting to really kind of see a more emotional side 
to him because at work we really don't get that. He's just he's following rules. He needs to be the supervisor. Needs to tell these people what to do. So I, I'm kind of like enjoying seeing the layers to Mark, but I, I I don't know. I feel like as we start moving through the episodes, we may see a breakdown from him too that kind of collapses the Innie and Audi roles. It, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. And it's 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 interesting because like how they're playing this out. Which one's going to crack first? Is it because at first you know you think that it could be Audi Mark because he was approached by PD, but any Mark by getting that map, you know, it's just like who who's going to crack first? Like I mean, like mm-hmm. the balance because like I think initially like I want to say if we were guessing that it would be like 90-10 that the Audi Mark is going to do something, but it's starting to kind of go like not ninety ten but maybe eighty twenty seventy thirty. So, yeah. so like, I'm wondering, like, which which got, which version of Mark will crack first, or will they meet each other at fifty fifty somehow? Right, because because uh, I mean, I think that's a really good point because uh, any Mark is getting a lot of challenges right now because you have Helly constantly pushing him, changing them around the department. He has no idea what to do, and it's it's every day is worse than the prior day. It's unyielding. And then on top of it, you have the mysterious map. You have his evident frustrations. And then he gets the book that's addressed to him from his Audi self. And he has no idea what to make of it. You know, I think it's funny, too, that as one thing disappeared, you know, we were all like, oh, my God, he shredded the map or whatever. But as one thing from the outside world disappears, well, I mean, it technically was still in the, like, but this contraband you know, disappears. All of a sudden, now he's got, there's the book. So it's like one contraband leaves, another contraband shows yeah. up. And you know what was interesting, too, that I noticed um, in talking, what you're, just reflecting off what you're saying, I was going to call you Mark, Rick, um, <laughs> <laughs> is that when we see him going into that wellness space, right, she gives him... That Miss Casey, Deacon Lockman, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. She gives him some clay, and she asks him to just create what he's feeling, and he creates a tree. So here's the thing, though. He is now... The innie, right? At mm-hmm. work. But he's reflecting in that clay something that happened from the Audi. So that's where I'm, it's just piquing my curiosity too, as far as the you know, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't even get that deep about it. I think, like, oh, wait a minute. Like, yeah, his, his innie isn't supposed to know about his Audi, but like, yet something like that emotion thing shows mm-hmm. it up. And, you know, and then clearly too, we see the candle, the green, the green and red candle. Yeah. So. And for Absolutely. someone who's watching right now who may refer what the candle was to again? Yeah, so the candle was like in his, was in Audi Mark's basement that Mrs. Selvig, when she broke and entered and broke all these laws, you know, on top of like, a, you know, drilling, you know, getting a brain chip and drilling into a dead what body. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, Ruthless. Like, so she, she brings it into that, yeah, into that room, into the wellness room. And, you know, he doesn't, we don't see any reaction from him to be like, oh, I had one of those, you know, nothing. Yeah. Not Such a yet. great piece Not of detail, yet. by the way, to notice, Rick. Absolutely. Really great piece well, of they, but they really went out of their way, like, in the episodes, too, to show us and everything, which is great. And, like, the fact that, like, it has specific, like, Christmas colors or right. it's the fact that it's red <laughs> and green. I'm sure if it was just, like, a generic white or something, like, I probably wouldn't have been paying attention. Yeah. I, I think that that one of the interesting things is that we're starting to see that maybe – the severance procedure has some weaknesses and they're centered around emotion. That's my hypothesis. We don't know yet. But I, my guess is that 
because it separates, you know, your, your experiential self. It separates your mind, your memories. Uh, they're totally cut off from each other. But our emotions are way more primal and embodied and, uh, you know, mirrored throughout every cell uh, of ourselves, practically. And so there's something maybe the severance procedure can't fully cut off that starts to come to the fore. And for Mark, all of these pressures on both sides of it are starting to erode that and his Audi is feeling the emotions of his any and vice versa to some degree. And so that's why I'm trying to say like the balance, you know, the balance of like that 90, 10 or like, you know, you would think that it's the Audi that's going to try to break into the any, but like, it's, it looks like it's kind of coming to a head of that, mm -hmm. you know, where is it going to be? Will they meet at 50, 50? Now in this episode, were there any lines that stood out to you? Any dialogue lines or just even something in a scene? Well, it's, I mean, and this is, I guess, you know, I guess we can, I guess we can talk about this part because we're saving, we're saving the, the heli juice for the very, very of last course. part. Of course. Don't know, but, ruin anything, Rick. Yeah. But, <laughs> but what, I mean, hey, this, hey, this is a spoiler. This it is, is a spoiler is. after okay, show. We've we said it at the top of the hour. So if you're watching, <laughs> like, if you don't want a spoiler, stop now. Just stop no. right now. No, but in the book, you know, the book had a lot of like different philosophies, you know, it's just kind of like, you are not your job. It was, it was interesting, mm -hmm. you know, how he was like, he, like he was talking about, you know, I was, I was content. Like, this is why it. I shouldn't have let Rick go because you just took my line. That was the line that popped out to me too. Listen, you should have said it then. Why did you ask you. me? <laughs> you asked. Please continue though. <laughs> no, but like both to the break room. <laughs> but because, like, because that's the thing. It's like, you don't introduce something again with this show. You don't introduce something, whether it's the candle, mm -hmm. whether it's the map, not to use it. And same thing with this book. And you don't have, like I had to pause it. I actually recommend pausing it just to see if I could get more from the paragraph and like when they were reading mm -hmm. and everything, just see if I get more from that. I, I really couldn't beyond what they showed us. Yeah. But there, there's that nugget. And so how does that nugget play out for the next couple episodes? Mm -hmm. I, I did the same thing when uh, Dylan was looking at the destiny poem. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and unfortunately we can't see all of it, but I did think it was interesting that that is one of the, the last scenes in the film and a definitely or not in the film, but in, it's very cinematic in, in the is. episode. Uh, and so that's one of the uh, elements that really stuck with me and that my brain kept going back to after it was over. Because could it be that this, the introduction of this book, this outside contraband, is what causes anarchy? They start, they all kind of start reading it privately together and they start, you know, granted, we are, we're at episode, I guess we're going to be jumping into episode like half, we're getting ready to be half season. So we still have five more episodes to maybe, maybe throw a coup. Maybe it's not just about Mark, but it's like these other guys joining with, you know, like this book has them join this anarchy and they break out all together. Well, it definitely, I think that that is one of the, I don't know, hypothesis, one of the assumptions that we could look into, because especially that line about your job needs you, not, you know, not the other way around. I felt like that was a really powerful line. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting to me because uh, I, I will go back. It takes me back a little bit. Lumen takes me back to my first and worst job. At one point, I worked, my, my very first job, I worked at a McDonald's inside of a Walmart. So, you know, in the belly of the beast, in the bowels of hell, it is terrible. <laughs> And they really try and treat you like an object. So I was at and really 
Nobody tells me what to do. I didn't enjoy it, and I didn't. I wasn't very well behaved. Did they take you to the break room? Um, <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just saying I left Eastern Washington for a reason, okay. and <laughs> I legally can't go back. That's a lie. Um, but the the thing that's interesting is is that they really try and you know like if if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. They try and control the totality of your time there. And, and and leech the personality out of what you do and how you do it, 100% clock in to clock out. Yeah, they just want you to yeah. function there, right? Just Your make sure that the machine. fries, yeah, make sure the fries don't overburn and just follow the, follow the, the pattern of the assembly line. Exactly. Yes. The bun, the All burger, the, the pickles, and like, you know, like the push, yeah. yeah, pushing the ketchup and the mustard. I never exactly. worked at a McDonald's, but I imagine that's what it does. <laughs> exactly. You're just a machine. Exactly. You're just a machine. And that's exactly the way that Lumen uh, literally changes the structure of your brain to be. When you're there, you don't. When you're there, you're not family. Uh, But they like you to pretend that you are. You're nothing but your work self only. And that's the entire reason why Helly can't stand it. No emotions. Well, let's talk about Helly as we're getting to the 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 ending of the show. So another really impactful way of filming this was I loved how you see like these quick, not necessarily montages, but we start seeing like these quick snippets from each of the characters, right? Like where they're at. You see Helly, of course, with the with the cord and her moving mm-hmm. through the hallway. But at the same time, you're seeing a shot of Mark. You're seeing a shot of Irv. You're seeing Dylan doing his thing. And I thought that was really a, a clever way, again, to just kind of build up to this climatic mm-hmm. ending that we see at the end where... Okay, so the big reveal, <laughs> basically we see Helly in the elevator um, and you see her, it, we assume that she is hung herself. And what I thought was, again, very poetic is, did you notice the elevator light? It was going up. Mm. I, I thought that was kind of interesting too. So they showed as soon as she kicked the trash can, the light was going up. Well, it's, it was cool, like, if you re- rewind, too, because, like, in, you know, like, when, we, when we're talking about Helly in this episode, you know, she finds out from her Audi that, yo, no, I want you there. Like, I, I want I this. I don't care about you. You're an object. And and I watched, exist. and the, the cool thing was, too, was, like, this is the directing. I was, like, I watched the scene. I rewound it. I paused because I wanted to see, like, how much of that, how much time took place from her going up in the elevator and we see the switcheroo of the discs from like the plastic, clear plastic to like the blue. And then even I was watching the, you know, I was watching Mark Irvin see all their clothes too, just to see like, did they, was it a different day maybe or whatever, even though she's in the same clothing. But so it's the same Same day day that she went upstairs and that her Audi said, dude, blah, blah, like record it and then send it back down. And so it happened in the same day. There was something eerie, Rick, about that video, too, though. Something very eerie. So I have a theory that maybe Audi, Audi Heli, and what the hence her name, Heli, did something terrible, did something terrible in the outside world, and she can't forgive herself or get over it. So this is how she punishes herself, and that's why she won't let the innie escape from that hell or okay. maybe yeah maybe i mean we were also theorizing that she might be part of the lumen family that's yep. still kind of where i'm leaning you're leaning because, towards that because still? her yeah her her vibe so so mark's vibe any audi uh he sat her on the outside because he has the trauma that he remembers but he's still versions of a similar person 
But Audi Heli from that video feels differently. Like cold. the performance was really good. She's very cold. She was very like, you are literally nothing. You don't exist. You're an object to me. Which brought to mind kind of seeing that experience, a whole lot of ethical questions, I think, about how the relationship between Audi and any people in this world. Um, but she was cruel, you know? She was no nonsense. Uh, I know a version of me is suffering, but I will make you suffer more if you hurt the body. I will make your life hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, cra- yeah, it's a crazy, so smart, too. You know, she brings the she brings the paper, paper cutter, cutter. Yeah. to Harmony, you know, and that's that's i was like that's She's brilliant yeah, there's some there's some genius there it's like i will do bodily harm yeah. to get out of this place explain this like explain the lack of fingers and and what have you yeah i, I remember when I was every time like she holds her fingers hostage like it was tactically she's brave. brilliant i will say she's brilliant and she's brave okay so now do you guys think we have lost her or will we see her survive this situation Man, it's like I would be disappointed. I mean, it's it's great, but I would be disappointed knowing that we're only at the halfway mark mm-hmm. because like I was telling people, like I told you guys too that if you don't kind of like following Mark, Helly was a great character to oh, follow I love her. too. But all of a sudden if it's like she's gone, then you're not going to tune out people, but it's 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 a gr- she's she's a great character it would be a mess, you know. It's I mean, at least we at least, need her. I think. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I would. I would have said, do it maybe in episode eight. You know, do it. Do it like a Game of Thrones first season. So do you yeah. think someone's you know, gonna save her though? Where Sean I mean, Bean dies in episode that. seven, not not in episode <laughs> four. Yeah, I I feel like you know I I feel like we have not seen the last of Hell yet. This is not even her final form. Yeah. You know, uh, because she's such a driving force of momentum and change just from the raw energy of her pure, unadulterated hatred of Lumen that it's causing a lot of antagonism. It's causing even the higher-ups to sort of break in how to deal with someone that you can legally hold there but literally will destroy their own hand and bleed out to get out, you know? And, and one thing I found fascinating in this episode, too, is, you know, after Heli comes back from the break room, you know, and she's being all irritated and this and that or whatever, you know, Marcus is trying to say, like, I'm just I just want I'm just trying to make sure that you don't go back there. So that basically means like, you know, like and they're out, and they're talking about the break room. How many times did you you know, how many times did you do it or whatever? So it's like Dylan has definitely been there. You know, and Dylan gave a whole philosophy. It's yes. like he's like pretend that you're sorry, and like I like to think about like some some threesome like thing. And I guess it's like it's a good philosophy or whatever. And that means that Mark's also been there. I feel like they've all probably been there. At yeah. Some point. So like they've maybe have all like kind of reacted like Helly, maybe not to the extreme, but they've all been there. They've all you know had that punishment. So I thought that was really interesting. It's mm-hmm. not just her. Like, everybody goes through it, but apparently, like, everybody kind of gets past it, where, like, right now we're seeing... And that's why that's what I'm saying. It's, like, why Helly's such a fascinating character. And just, like, it, I would rather, like, see her maybe get past it or how they, like, have her get past mm-hmm. it rather than her die at episode... As we go into episode... The half season, episode five. Well, I'm going to wait to see who saves Helly then. I have a feeling someone is going to save her or maybe... We saw her feet, but the cord doesn't work. I don't know, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I want to say, you know, for for like the next episode, like more than just all this stuff is just like I think now that we're at their halfway point, I think they 
they've, they've hinted to it with the phone, the phone, you know, like Petey leaving that phone and mm-hmm. Audi Mark has left it alone or like whatever. I think as we get into episode five, this next episode, my theory is that like they, that he was talking about will show up in Audi Marks. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's what, that's what, that's what like we'll see maybe in episode five is Audi Mark and the they and the phone is going to be a major player besides what happens to Heli. Any other predictions on your end? Uh, I think that any and Audi Mark, it's going to be like a Goku, Vegeta thing. Like Dragon Ball Z, they're going to merge and become more powerful than before um, in a more metaphorical way. But I do think that emotions are going to continue to kind of uh, push them both towards the, the 50-50 you know, and I think um, I think Irv and Bert have some type of lovely future together. I was just going to say the same where there's some <laughs> curiosity happening there. And I definitely do think that we're going to start seeing Mark break down a little bit more. And again, it's just the point of is it with the innie or the Audi? Because mm-hmm. that curiosity is peaking. We're seeing that he's not definitely, you know, committed in one environment. We're starting to see that. Absolutely. And then the, the, the one last thing that I predict is that I think that the the powers that be, to the extent that they exist, really, are going to increasingly put pressure on Harmony because she's losing control of that department. And you see her. Like, it was weird, like, seeing her with the, the Chinese finger she's cuffs. She's scary. So, uh-huh. She and is she's, scary. She's scary, and she's nervous. And cornered predators. Even, even, are yeah. Never no, safe. and you bring up another good point that I, that I just thought about too is that even Milicek was shocked when she brought the thing back. He's like, You did what? Even him, the guy that's HR and everything, even he was shocked by her like actions. But I feel like she's that that person that will, again, go above and beyond to make sure that she doesn't lose her job. She is in the most powerful position right now with all these characters, right? Absolutely. That seat that she holds. So she is going to make sure that she doesn't lose that. And she she's like one of those women who will do anything, I think, to keep that power. Yeah. I think that's actually what, uh, you know, not, not the power aspect of it, but I think that her and Heli are actually more similar than you think because both of them are kind of like a trapped, you know, uh, animal in a cage, gnawing off, they're willing to gnaw off their own arm, or in, in Harmony's case, if someone else's arm needs gnawed off, uh, they're willing to do anything yeah, to achieve their goals. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our episode. We've had such a great time here. Again, do follow us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, and comment, like, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. So again, thank you for joining us and make sure you tune in to episode five as we break it down all for you.